0: Today I want to talk to you about Enemies of Change Part 2. Enemies of Change Part 2. Now I'm going to do a quick review just in case you missed last week or, or the week before or you're new with us today at People's Church because this series is kind of connected together. Two weeks ago we talked about how God has a big dream for your life. But, but, but many people limit what God wants to do in them and through them because they think too small. We talked about how you have to dream bigger. How you have to think bigger cuz God has more for you. Those watching online, God has more for your life. But we got to dream bigger. We talked about dreaming bigger with our faith and dreaming bigger with our family, with our marriage, with our kids. We talked about dreaming bigger with our career, with our finances. We talked about dreaming bigger with our education. We we talked about dreaming big dreams and then last week we talked about how many people get a dream from god And you have a dream for 2012 a dream for your life from god and many people begin to pursue that dream and many sabotage their own dream many people self-destruct and stop and kill their own dream with destructive behavior with sin with stinking thinking With bad habits, with laziness, with a low self-esteem, they sabotage their own dream. And, And for us to accomplish the dream that God has for our life, we have to allow God to change us and to transform our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. We have to continually change. The moment we say, I don't want to change anymore, we've simply said, I don't want to accomplish the dream that God has for my life. And so last week, we talked about some enemies of change. We know we got to change. Things got to change. And so we looked at what are some enemies of change? What keeps us from changing? Last week, we talked about when we keep doing the same things over and over again and expect different results. That's an enemy of change. And a lot of people do that. And we also talked about point two last week when we abuse God's grace. There are, are a lot of people who don't change because they say, well, God is gracious I'm not changing because God is just a gracious God and they use God's grace as a license to sin. And and then we wrapped up last week uh, with with point three that that we try to change everything at once. And people get overwhelmed when it comes to change because they want to change everything at the same time. And when you try to change everything at the same time, you end up changing nothing. And we dealt with that last week. And so today what I want to do is give you three more enemies of change. Some of you today, you're tired of where you are. You're tired of where your life is. You're tired of where your marriage is. You're tired of where your finances are. You're tired of your career. You're tired of how how life is going for you. And you're ready for a change. Three more enemies of change. I want to talk to you about three cycles. Three patterns people fall into that keep them from changing. The first cycle is this. The forgiveness cycle. The forgiveness cycle. How many of you have ever seen the bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven? Anybody ever seen that before? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. That bumper sticker is only half the truth. Matter of fact, that bumper sticker kind of irritates me a little bit. If you got that bumper sticker on your car, God bless you, appreciate you. It just irritates me a little bit. Because listen, 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 we are forgiven, we're forgiven, but that's just half the story. You see, here's what that bumper sticker leads you to believe. It leads you to believe that, that Christians and, and non-Christians are exactly the same and the only thing different about them is that the Christian is forgiven. And it leads you to believe that. It leads you to believe that, hey, hey, Christians and non-Christians, they both live the same life. They both do the same things. They they, they they both live the same way. They both think the same way, act the same way, do the same stuff. And the only difference is that the Christian is forgiven. And that is not the case. Listen, there needs to be a part two to that bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, but they're changing. Christians aren't perfect, but they're changing you see being a christian is not just about being forgiven thank god for forgiveness thank god that he forgives us but it's not just about being forgiven it's allowing god to change us into the image of his son jesus christ that's why we say jesus is our savior and our lord because we surrender to him he's in charge he's the boss he changes our our life let me give you some scriptural examples of, of change, change, change the Christian life. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Notice that it doesn't just say this. If, any wasn't, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is forgiven. No, 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 it says, it says this. He's a new creation. God's doing a transforming work inside of your heart, inside of your life if you're in Christ. The problem is this. There are a lot of people in church, but not in Christ, and they're not a new creation. See, you can sing Christian songs and not be in Christ, and therefore not a new creation. You can quote a scripture and not be in Christ and therefore not a new creation. You can serve in a ministry and be in a ministry, but not in Christ and not, therefore, a new creation. But the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have has gone and the new has come. God is changing us on the inside. Paul, when he wrote to the church at at Galatia, he wrote in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Not just being forgiven, but we're a new creation. God is changing us. He's transforming us to be more like Christ. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth when he was inspired by the Holy Spirit in chapter 6 and verse 9 of First Corinthians. It says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse number 11. And that is what some of you were. Notice it says, that's what you were. But God has changed you. you. You're in Christ, and you're a new creation, and that's what you were, but that's not what you're now because God has changed you. He goes on to say, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Paul says, hey, church at Corinth, you weren't just forgiven, but you're changed because God is in the life-changing business. The Bible says this in First John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. That's part A, part A. But part B goes on to say this, and purify us from all unrighteousness. And a lot of Christians get stuck living their Christian life with a 1 John 1, 9a pattern of thinking. I call that pattern of thinking the forgiveness cycle. Well, I'm I'm living a life of sin. I don't plan on changing, but thank God for First John one nine a. If I confess my sins, He's faithful to forgive me of all my sins. You know, I, I I've been I've been addicted for twenty years to pornography. I've been addicted for twenty years to. To gambling and spending all my money, and can't pay my bills i've been I've been addicted to alcohol I I, I I I've been addicted to to drugs for twenty years, but I come to church some and thank God for first John one nine a If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. thank you Lord, for first John one nine a grateful for it matter of fact, I love first John one nine a so much I just premeditate and plan out my sin. What I did this weekend, I'm going to do it next weekend, and I'm going to do it the weekend after that, and I'm going to do it next month, and I'm going to do it next week, I'm going to do it next year, I'm going to do it the year after that. Thank God for First 1 John one9 9a. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, First John 1, I I would ask how many of you are living in the forgiveness cycle of First John one i 9a. I'd ask you to lift your hands, but I'm scared to find out who you are. 1 John one 9a, I'm, I'm going to sin, I'm going to mess up, I'm not changing, but I'm going to sure confess 1 John one 9a. And listen to me, if you are entrapped by the pattern of 1 John one 9a, it's time for Jesus Christ to break you free to part B. Because part B says and to cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. It says, listen, God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you because you can't ever reach your dreams just with part A. You need part B where God is transforming you and changing you so that you're not self-destructing so that you can accomplish the dream that God has for your life. Break free today. So you can be what God has called you to be. There's a a second enemy of change. I want us to look at this second cycle. And that's the procrastination cycle. The procrastination cycle. Procrastination is a major enemy of change. It's a dream killer. It's a dream killer. Now, 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 this next statement I'm going to say is going to really shock some of you. So brace yourself. I, I've prayed about it. i thought it through. And I'm going to say it. Now brace it. It's going to shock some of you. Someday is not a day of the week. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, you thought it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not someday. You've you been getting it wrong. For, it's Sunday. It's Sunday, not Sunday. Someday I'm going to change. Someday I'm going to do better. Someday I'm going to think better. Someday I'm going to pursue my dream. Someday I'm going to obey God. Someday I'm going to follow the Lord. Someday, someday. And so many people miss out on what God has for their life because they procrastinate. They live a life of someday. Let me give you a scriptural example of this. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. It says this. This is Jesus talking. It says, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, he said, Lord, I'll follow you someday. N- not, not right now. Someday, but first, Lord, let me go and bury my, my father. Verse 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their, their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, someday, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Lord, you know I'm going to follow You know my heart. I'm going to follow you. Someday, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is teaching a very important principle in this portion of scripture. And the principle is this delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience. Is disobedience when when God says stand still you better not move but when God says move you better not stand still and God is saying move change change your thinking change your attitude change your actions change your words change your stinking thinking someday but Lord first someday and many Christians miss out on God's best for their family for the marriage. For their kids, for their career, for their finances, for their future. Because they respond, someday, Lord, I'll I'll do that. Procrastination is a dream killer. I want to give you three major reasons we procrastinate. Three major reasons. Because some of you are tired. You're tired. you're You're tired of where you are. Three major reasons we procrastinate. The first one is this. It won't pop up on the screen. It's not in your notes. It's in my notes. So just write it down. Write it down. The first major reason is this. Busyness busyness in the scripture i just read to you both people thought they were too busy to immediately follow jesus that they, they said but lord first i have to in other words lord I'm, I'm busy right now i'm too busy to follow you right now someday now someday but i i've got too many things going right now i'm i'm, I'm busy and friends it's so easy to get busy doing the good things and allow the good things to distract us from the best things. And you get distracted by good things. I think about my own life. And and uh, every year as we pray and fast as a church, we're just wrapping up 14 days of prayer and fasting. It ended uh, yesterday at midnight. And, and it's been a great time of seeking God and God speaking to me. And every time at the end of a year, God begins to speak to me, challenge me during the prayer and fasting time about changing some things and changing things about my leadership and things in the church to go to the next level, to reach more people for Christ, to disciple more people. And God's been speaking to me. But I've got a lot of good things going on. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak out at different churches and events and conferences. And, and matter of fact, I flew out on, on Friday morning, me and, and Brian Rush, we caught a flight out at 6 a.m. in the morning to, 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 to Rochester, New York, to speak at the Father's house. I spoke at a conference there called One Thing. And many of you will remember Pastor Pierre Duplessis when he was here speaking for us in October. And so I went out and spoke for him on Friday night and then caught a six o'clock flight to get back home and uh, got here by, uh, by, by 12 or so so I could make it to my boys' basketball games and, and, and good things and, and a lot of invitations and can speak out and I'm grateful for those things and they're good things and I could get distracted by the good things because I mean I'm not saying it I mean it's good things lives are being changed people are being encouraged people are being saved but but, but my first priority the best thing that God's called me to is to lead people's church and to cast vision and to study and pray and to lead this church and I could get so distracted by the good things that I begin to procrastinate God said Herbert change this Herbert change your thinking here. Herbert, change the structure here. Herbert, change the way you're leading here. And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm busy right now. I'm doing the good thing. I'll do that someday. But not right now. And friends, can I say the same thing for you? That if you're not careful doing, you allow the good things to distract you from doing the best things. And I have to say no a whole lot more than I say yes. Because I don't want to end up procrastinating and miss out on God's best for my life. Question. What good things are you doing right now that are distracting you from the best things? What are you focused on right now? What is getting all your time and attention? And it's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. It's not going to take you and propel you for the into the destiny that God has for your life. Busyness, busyness. I want you to see a second major reason we procrastinate, and that is short-term thinking. Short-term thinking. Both individuals in this story had short-term thinking. They were focused on the immediate. They were focused on the present, and they were not thinking about the future. But Lord, first, because I'm just thinking about today. I'm not thinking about a year from now and 10 years from now. I'm just thinking about today. But Lord, first, I got to take care of some things, short-term thinking. And people who accomplish their dreams. Are long-haul thinkers not short-term thinkers I look at my own life and I have some dreams from God one one of my big dreams from God is that I want to be married to my wife until the day I die happily married to Tiffany I have a dream man I I dream about it I envision it I dream one day I'm gonna retire from people's church Me and Tiffany are going to hold hands, gray-headed, walk out, go sit on the porch in our rocking chair, drink iced tea in love, grandkids coming over, talking to the grandkids, playing with the grandkids, great-grandkids coming over. I mean, I dream about this. And happily, it's a dream that that God has given me to be happily married. And and because I got long haul thinking, you know what, I I don't get caught in short term decisions, short term thinking. You know, God is speaking to me about changing in some areas of my life. Even now, areas I can be a better husband on how to love Tiffany better and honor her better and cherish her better and esteem her better. God's speaking to me. And if I had short term thinking, I'm like, I'm not doing that. She gets on my nerves sometimes. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm selfish. I'm not doing that. But I got long-term thinking. If I, I realize if I don't change this area that God's speaking to me about, it's going to hinder the dream that God has given me of having a healthy and thriving marriage until until death do us part. So I say, yes, Lord, I'm not going to say someday I change because I got I got a, a long haul dream for my marriage. Well, one of my one of my dreams that that I have is I want to be the pastor of People's Church until I retire. I want to be here. I want to, I want to do it, pastor this church with integrity for the long haul. I want to be your pastor. I want to go until at least another 25, 30 years. You probably won't let me go longer than that. I'll be starting pushing 70. You'll be trying to get rid of me. Boy, that boy ain't got no more energy. Amen. Get on out of here, pastor. Go ahead. Get, find somebody else to do this, pal. You can't do this no more. Go. On. I have a dream, though. I have a dream. And so I got, I got long haul thinking. I remember at one point when I had short-term thinking, it was back around 2005 or so, and I'll never forget, and some of you will remember this in 2004, 2005. We're meeting at the Quell Springs Mall AMC Theater and we started a campaign called the Because Campaign to raise dollars to, build, to buy this 50 acres and to build phase one, which was a 17,500 square foot facility. And I'll never forget that. That was a grueling season for me. I had probably preached you know, 14, 15, 16 weeks in a row. I'd given all I had, cast vision, raising dollars. I went through some attacks from some people in the church. It was it was a I I will never forget this. Getting in my car with my wife and we had a kid or two then. Driving to Nebraska. We got four now, amen. But we had a kid or two then. uh, Driving to Nebraska to go see my wife's family. I'll never forget thinking to myself, I could quit today. I've given everything I have to the church. I'm emotionally, mentally, spiritually exhausted. I can hang it up and go do something else today. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired. And God began to speak to me. God began to challenge me. Cause I had some faulty thinking. I was short term thinking. I was like, man, I was preaching all the time, almost every single Sunday. I was preaching, I was preaching, you know, 50 weeks out, out of the year, you know, three and two and three services a week. And, and I thought, you know, here's what I thought, you know, man, if I'm not there, man, God, the church is not going to grow. It's not going to flourish. And, and man, I got to be there to build your church. And man, the people tell me, Pastor, boy, I sure don't like it when you're gone. I sure, I sure don't like it when you're not preaching. And, and, and man, I'm thinking, man, I got to be there. God, the people want me there. And, and yet I'm about to die. And God began to speak to me, Herbert, listen, I I didn't call you to build my church that's not what i said i said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of jesus christ and so i had to say you know what how do i sustain myself how do i make it another 30 years without killing myself without self destructing without falling into some sin because i'm so tired and giving all that i had and so it was at that moment i put together a preaching team i started building a team to help me carry the load i used to do all the announcements Start raising up a team to, hey, you help me do the announcements. You, you, you carry that load. You help me speak. And, and, and you know what? I, I really appreciate it. When, when I'm gone or when I'm not teaching and I'm here just hanging around and some some of you say, well, Pastor Boy, we sure, we sure miss you when, when you're not here and when you're not preaching. I miss you too. But I'm still going to be gone. Amen. I'm still going to be gone. Go ahead and miss me. Because I'm thinking long haul. I got another 30 years of this, of pastoring and leading with integrity. I got a dream for the long haul. Can I ask you a question? What are you thinking about short term that's destroying you for the long haul? And you start making excuses. You stop not changing because you got short term thinking. It's all riding on you. And you don't change to reach the long haul dream that God has for your life. Let me give you another reason we procrastinate. Another reason is this. It's fear, fear, fear. Fear, And both individuals in the story may have procrastinated because of fear. Because fear causes many people to procrastinate when God says move. I mean, fear is, is a dream killer. But Lord first, but Lord first. And oftentimes people say, but Lord first, someday, someday. And the real driving factor inside of them is fear. It's, it's fear. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Fear, it's this fear of failure. But, but Lord, if I, if I change, what, what if I mess up? What, what if I fail? What, what, if, what if I'm rejected? What if it doesn't work out like I thought it would? Fear. Fear of failure calls us to say, Lord, someday, someday I'll, I'll follow you. I'll obey you. Someday fear. There's this whole fear of the unknown. And, and there are people who have lived a dysfunctional life for years, and that's all they know. And they have a fear thinking, well, if I get normal, if I get whole, if I get healthy, What will I be like? Because all I know is dysfunction. And how many know that you can be dysfunctional so long that you start to think it's normal? You ever met somebody like that? They're talking. They think it's normal. They're like, yeah, you know, I shoot people. You know what I mean? I just... (laughs) You're like... And they think it's normal. You know what I mean? They think it's normal. You're like, man, that ain't normal. You're weird. You're not normal. But they're, they're just dysfunctional, and they've they, they got a fear, a fear of the unknown. What if I change? There are people, man, they've been addicted so long. They've been addicted to something for 20 years, and it's like a pet friend to them. And if I get free from this addiction, what will my life be like? All I know is being addicted. Fear. If I break up with my boyfriend, if I break up with my girlfriend, I know this: that relationship is not what God has for me. If I break up with them, who's going to date me? Fear. Fear. If I if I quit hanging out with these friends who are pulling me down, if I quit hanging out with these friends, who's going to call me? Who's going to be my friend? Fear. And fear keeps many people saying someday, someday. And they procrastinate and miss out on God's best for their life. Today, my prayer is that God breaks you free from the procrastination cycle so that you can be all that God wants you to be. There's a third cycle I want to tackle, a third cycle, and that is this the quitting cycle. The quitting cycle is a major enemy of change. People's church, those watching online, you cannot accomplish your dreams if you quit. I want to share with you one of my life verses. This is one of the first verses that I memorized in the Bible, and it's one of my life verses. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Let us not become weary in well doing, or this version says, in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we faint not, or this version says, if we do not give up. We'll reap a harvest if we don't give up, if we do not quit and the problem with so many people is they have this dream from god and they're pursuing this dream for their family for their life for their career for their faith they're pursuing but many people quit and never see the dream come to fruition let me quickly give you three reasons we quit because i want many. some of you're tired you're tired you're tired you're tired of where you are you're tired of quitting and i want to identify these reasons so that you can break free and be what god wants you to be the first one is this People want quick results. Just write that down. Quick results. And so many people get frustrated. They get filled with disappointment because things aren't happening as fast as they want them to happen. And they get discouraged and they quit. Let me give you some examples. Maybe, you know, last year you wanted to lose 20 pounds last year. And I told you how I lost around 10 pounds or so last year. And maybe you wanted to, to lose some weight and you got started. And, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And about three months into it, you got on the, on the scale. And you only lost three pounds like man three pounds in 90 days i've been trying to eat right going to the gym forget this i'm going back to eating cupcakes (laughs) and you quit and you quit don't grow weary in well-doing at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up maybe it's in your career in your job and man you've been faithful and you've been trying to get the promotion trying to get the raise trying to get promoted in your field and man you've been working hard and and they keep passing over you it's been three years man they haven't promoted you at all and you say to yourself you know what i'm not gonna work hard no more if they keep looking over me forget this i'm quitting that i'm gonna be lazy and have an attitude i'm gonna let them know y'all better promote me with an attitude (laughs) And you quit. And and here's the thing. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because at the proper time, your proper time might be six months from now. It might be a year from now. It might be 18 months from now. You might be closer than what you think. You don't know when God's appointed time is for your life. But you got to be faithful and not give up. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. Maybe it's with your marriage. And man, you maybe you, you've been here a while and I believe in the family and Dodge ordained the family and you heard me teach on the family. And, and man, you've been trying the last two years kind of love your husband and respect and honor him. You've been trying to love your wife and respect her and be Jesus to her. And, and you're thinking, man, that joker still hasn't changed. <laughs> he is still on my last nerve. I'm sick of this being nice junk. Pastor, teaching. Now we're going to do a series on hooking up. Forget hooking up. I'm talking about hook out, not hook up. <laughs> hook it up nothing. And you quit. And you miss out on your due season. You miss out on the turnaround. That's why the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up, you cannot quit. You can't quit. There, there's a second a second habit a second habit. I want to I want to show you a second habit uh, our, our quitting cycle and that is this The, the habit of quitting the, the, the habit of quitting It's why a lot of people quit some people have developed a habit of quitting some of you know some folks like that They have a habit of quitting How many know some folks, you know about every 18 months they're gonna have to change jobs. They're gonna quit You know what I'm saying? You know some folks about every three years. they are gonna have to get find a new church You know, I mean? they're gonna get I'm gonna get me a new church home every three years You just buy every three years so where are you going to church at now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't like my church. No, more. I'm quitting. Okay, all right. About you know? every five years, they got to get a new marriage. You know, I'm quitting my marriage. I'm quitting. I'm sick of them. About to, they say quit. You know, there's some people that, that about every two years, they got a new friend. They don't ever have the same friends. You ever somebody like that? They don't ever have the same friends. Like, what happened to such? They like, oh, I'm not friends with them no more. <laughs> I'm like, you just quit everything. I'm going to quit my own family. I don't even like my family. I'm not even going to Thanksgiving dinner. No more. I'm just quitting. I'm sick of them. You just quit everything. Got a habit of quitting. And you can never reach your dreams when you have developed a habit of quitting. Friends, can I tell you oftentimes people who have a habit of quitting, it has been modeled for them. They're following a pattern that's been laid out for them. Because maybe daddy was a quitter, mama was a quitter, grandpa was a quitter, quitter, grandma was a quitter. But I'm telling you, you don't have to continue with that cycle that your family has been trapped in. Listen, it's not normal to get a new job every two months. I mean, you had 10 jobs in the last year. That ain't normal. Break free in Jesus' name. Break that habit of quitting and stick with it. Don't grow weary in well-doing because at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you faint not, if you don't give up. There's a third reason. I want to wrap up with this third reason, third reason, third reason people quit, and that is the pain threshold. I call it the pain threshold. See, to reach your dream, you have to press through pain. Pain's a part of life, man. Pain's a part of marriage. It's a part of raising kids. Pain's a part of having a job. Pain's a part of handling finances. Pain's a part of serving God. And so many people, when they deal with pain, they give up. I love the old saying. You remember this saying? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And some of you, when the going gets tough, you bail, you quit. And you miss out on God's best. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Because listen, don't grow weary in well doing because you will reap A harvest at the proper time if you don't give up. Press through pain so that you can reach the dream that God has for your life.